Hello, welcome to another episode of Dennis Podman. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Farragut. Uh, joining me today, um, immediately post the Bulls' fourth win of the year, uh, is John Wilms, or John Wilmus, I guess, to say his name accurately. Uh, we're going to be covering the first four games of the season, and um, with a primary focus on their game tonight against the Raptors, uh, which they just pulled out uh, by the skin of their teeth, and uh, it, it was a, it was mostly a fun one, but also kind of panic-inducing down the stretch. What do you think, John? I mean, yeah, panic-inducing is right. I mean, there's plenty of cause for concern. You get out-rebounded by 20. Uh, you barely execute down the stretch. You have like more than half of your turnovers. I feel like in the, the fourth quarter, um, so. A lot to be concerned about, but, you know, we do have DeMar DeRozan. Yes, the the haters and losers said that we paid De- DeMar DeRozan too much money. But you know what? The Bulls are not 4-0 right now if they don't have DeMar DeRozan because he was the only calm and steady presence on the floor uh, down the stretch as the, the Raptors, with all of their crazy athletes and uh, defensive intensity, uh, had the Bulls scrambling. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, with the Lonzo and the Zach stuff, both panicking and making bad plays, like I feel like that's kind of they just need to like tough up and you know build some metal and not do that anymore. <laughs> but but with Vucevic, it's like you know you probably just shouldn't even be on the floor if they're playing like that because you know relative to what they were doing, he's kind of big and slow, and it's just it's not surprising that, that he also um, had some bad plays there, but. The Lonzo and the Zach stuff, the Lonzo passes especially, and I was like, man, I don't even, I don't even want this guy inbounding the ball anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, they got through it. Yeah, they the some of the some of the turnovers down the stretch, I mean, turnover, they, they won the turnover battle uh, again tonight, which has been a theme going back to the preseason, but also through the preseason into the regular season. They've been, after being a team that consistently lost the turnover battle last year, they have been winning it. Uh, and winning it pretty, pretty handily uh, all all season so far, and they they did again t- uh, tonight, but they were not uh, ball secure in the fourth quarter, and that that's really how they blew um, a huge lead. They were up twenty at one point, and they ended up uh, winning this game by three points. And honestly, uh, Fred Van Vliet had a had a pretty good look at it um, to to hit the the game tying three at, at the buzzer. Uh, he got an isolation on Vucevic, which, to your point, Vucevic probably shouldn't be out there um, down down the stretch. Uh, but I think Billy used the last time out with 16 seconds to go in the game, so there wasn't really the opportunity to, to get him out of there. And I think he was the one that got uh, fouled um, on the very last possession before that, so they couldn't take him out because he was shooting free throws. Uh but yeah, just a pretty bad meltdown in the fourth quarter as far as turnovers went. Uh, Zach had some some really bad ones. Lonzo had a, a couple of inexplicable passes. Uh, one where he, I think he was just trying to throw a high lob to to Vooch, and they got their wires crossed, and he ended up throwing it basically directly to the Raptors uh, for an easy transition dunk going the other way. And that's the kind of stuff that uh, that is. 2020, uh, 2021 bullshit and uh, not stuff that we want to see. But the difference between last year's team and this year's team uh, is that they, they did all that and they still got the win because uh, this team is much more talented than they were last year. 
Yeah, Vucevic took those free throws, and he missed the only free throw that missed. The Bulls missed all night. They were twenty-one for twenty-two. That's a big reason why we won the game. Also, uh, DeRozan again. DeRozan ten for ten from free throw. Like this guy is like I think you've been referring to him as like the floor holder, basically. Like he he he's a steady hand. He keeps us afloat even when things aren't going right. We've had two kind of not very good Zach Levine games in a row. Um, and survived both of them, which is really nice. I do want to note about these Raptors that I, you know, it's a little early to to make proclamations like this, but I think this specific iteration of the Raptors might be like crazily good at this type of basketball. And Nick Nurse is, of course, like doing college basketball shit because he doesn't have like a tr- traditionally very good um, talent core right now. But the specific strengths of this team with like Ananobi, Barnes, Achua, and Van Vliet just going crazy on defense. I, I just I think it is a very specific challenge. And you saw that they blew out the Celtics on opening night, I believe it was. And that's not surprising given that the Celtics uh, lack of uh, you know, even really above average ball handlers, to be honest, which is a huge problem with the Celtics and one of the reasons I think the Bulls are better than the Celtics. But yeah, the Bulls need to get better at that, obviously having poise with the ball handling and the execution. Um, it's always been a, a, a Zach Levine weakness. Uh, he turns over the ball, and you can definitely force him into bad decisions. But that's got to change this year, right? And so hopefully he, him looking pissed off uh, during the postgame interview is a sign that you know it's, it's going to change. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I think like the, the thing that's, you know, I'm hoping happens for Zach is that just being around Demar and seeing him handle these situations where you know teams are like the Raptors are really pressing up on him aggressively and, and you know making his life difficult. Uh, I, I think that just Demar's sense of playing with pace and not panicking and not. He just continuing to play his game and play at his pace is something that Zach really needs to learn. He, you can't speed DeMar DeRozan up. Uh, he's going to, to play at the same old man pace that he, that he always does. And that is part of the reason why he's one of the best isolation scorers in the league. And, you know, his isolation scoring ability is part of the reason why he's uh, generally so ball secure because, um, you know, if you're not passing the ball, you're not necessarily, and I mean, not to say that DeMar doesn't pass, but on the, the possessions where he ISOs and he's, you know, in, in the mode where he's looking to score, you know, typically down the stretch of games, he is, because he's not passing it as much, you're not going to turn the ball over nearly as much in those, those situations. And his handle's really tight. And if, if you reach on him to try to steal the ball from him, he's going to get two fouls on you. I mean, he's going to get two free throws on you because he's just, he's still got that craftiness to his game and he's not a a foul grifter in the same way as like somebody like James Harden has been traditionally. I think, I think DeMar definitely actually gets the contact uh, and isn't necessarily just flailing all the time. He had like maybe one, I think tonight where he really, he just got somebody up on a pump fake and then jumped into them, which is supposed to be going away. But uh, DeMar got that call tonight. Uh, but I, I think in general that his his one of his big strengths is just not panicking. And the Bulls, for the last 
basically since the Jimmy Butler trade have been a team that panics under pressure. Uh, and Zach has been part of the problem there and he was doing it again tonight, but it didn't matter because they got just enough from DeMar to, and just enough defensive plays um, at the right moments to, to make it um, to sneak out with a, a win on the road, which, you know, you got to say just a win's a win and, and, move on, try to learn from the, the mistakes that they had, but, you know, better, better to learn um, from mistakes in a win than for, in a loss. Yeah. We'll say of DeMar's passing too, that he's super judicious about it. Um, and to the extent that he is really draw, draws like a deep double team. I was, I was texting in our friend chat. I was texting you guys about this, how he has that kind of special ability to pass the ball very deep into what looks like an offensive action. Like the double team is, he really locks down that double team before he moves the ball sometimes. And there was a play tonight where he did that and caught Lonzo in the corner. And it was, it was really great. I mean, it's like, you're never going to turn the ball over when somebody's that wide open. Right. Um, so he's, he's a very secure passer as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, DeMar, because he is such a dangerous scorer and dangerous from the spots that typically the, the defense wants to give up teams understand that they really have to bring a double if once he gets ready to rise into his shot. But the thing is, is even when he's rising into his shot, he's still surveying the court for passing opportunities often. And that was, you know, a great example of that was, was the Lonzo, uh, the corner three that, that you mentioned he's, you know, he had a decent shot, but he recognized that there was a better shot for Lonzo, who was on fire early in the game. I think he had five threes at one point. I don't know how many he finished with, but uh, very early in the game, Lonzo had you know five quick ones, and it was just like, wow, <laughs> he was really, really hot. And, and it honestly was a great Lonzo game until the the fourth quarter, but that was true for most of the Bulls. Like, I said, like we said, that they were up 20 and managed to end up only winning in the, on the very final possession. So... Yeah, he had four turnovers on the game, and I think three of those were probably in the fourth quarter. Um, he was five for nine on three, obviously very good. Five assists. I mean, I like the ensemble scoring that we've been seeing on this team uh, quite a lot. Another thing I wanted to mention about DeRozan, which is just a uh, an observation I've had. Of, funnily, funnily enough, I feel like Car- Carlos Boozer, if you want to both throwback, is also the type of play where the fact that one of the things that makes him so good on offense is, is – also, the reason he can kind of not be very good on defense sometimes, it's because he's really good at controlling the pace on offense. And obviously, you know that's stolen from you when you're on defense. You can't you can't control the pace of the game. Um, so that's kind of uh, why Demar will struggle. But I, we were talking about this earlier. I, I think Demar's been kind of fine at defense so far. He was bad in the first game, but I think he's been fine since then. Yeah, I think I was going to say that. Um... So there's a, a new, uh, there's every year there's a new advanced uh, statistic out there. There's a new one out there called uh, DRIP, <laughs> which uh, stands for Dr- Daily Rating of Individual Performance. Uh, but basically, it's you know like most of these other metrics, it's a it, it it's, tries to measure per 100 um, impact to the the bottom line uh, for for your team, and it updates daily based on the latest information, and it's weighted. Uh, basically with higher weight to more recent games. Uh, but it's all done to predict, you know, 
the next game's performance. And DeMar's defensive rating in that went from being like a minus two per 100 possessions to just over the course of just three games before this game even happened, uh, he was all the way up to a, a minus 1.5, which is um, a pretty significant difference because the the scale on uh, the off uh, the the top and the bottom for for defense is only like a plus three is like Rudy Gobert and a minus three is like Trey Young. Uh, those are like the the top and the bottom of the league in terms of um, defensive impact in this statistic. So to you know if if your spread is only six points in total to move up. Uh, a minus or to move up a, a whole half point in just three games is indicative to me that he, that he has been playing uh, significantly better defense than uh, what he's done in the past. And um, a lot of that is, you know, box score stuff. I think he's gotten more steals than, than he typically does. But I think all, I mean, all of the bulls have been kind of menaces at um, off ball, making the right rotations, getting into the passing lanes, being, you know, I don't want to say gambling because it all feels like it's done in, in the context of a scheme that is, um, that's purposeful about trying to be aggressive on turnovers. They don't want to lose the turnover battle. <laughs> it's pretty clear. And they feel good about their transition attack. You know, you have Lonzo Ball, you're, you're going to um, want to push the pace because he's uh, so good at hit ahead passes. And you have um, Zach Levine, uh, you have Alex Caruso, who's good in transition. You got Lonzo and Demar is good, uh, and then all of their like bench guys basically are basically just athletes that run the floor really well in transition. So Billy mentioned that I think in their um, the very first media availability that he wanted the team to play with more pace and play faster. And I mean, every coach says that, but he seemed actually to to mean it. And he, he mentioned it specifically in reference to having Lonzo on the team. So I think that that has been a, obviously a real point of emphasis. Um, it, there's no way that they could play this way without it being a point of emphasis, I think. So I, I think that that's been really um, something to watch too. The, I think even Zach, like, you know, Zach gets a lot of flack for his defense still by people that, that don't watch. And he's been even better this year, I think, than, than he had been in prior years uh, in like last year, I thought his defense got to the level where it was essentially fine. It was, I don't think he was a plus defender by any means, but I think he was like maybe slightly below average, all things considered. I think he's getting to the point where he's going to be like break even to maybe even a slight positive on defense. If he continues to um, play the passing lanes as well as he has, and he doesn't really get blown by uh, very much anymore either. I mean, Fred Van Vliet doesn't have the quickest first step, but he tried to go by Zach, uh, at one point early in the game, and Zach just completely walled him up, and then uh, Van Vliet fell down and uh, fell out of bounds. It was, um, you know, that's not really what Zach has typically been known for, but it, it was a, you know, a pretty, a pretty strong possession, and he. But it's mostly just the, being a terror in the passing lane. They're they're really relying on being more athletic than a lot of these teams defensively, and um, I think that was one of the things they struggled with with the Raptors. To be honest, is that the Raptors are more athletic than they are even. Uh, and that was like basically the, the Raptors whole thing is just they've got long athletes and they just want to make your life hell by uh, playing, like you said, essentially college level uh, pressing defense and make you panic because as good as NBA players are, they really haven't <laughs> seen a, a press defense in a long time because the conventional wisdom is that you can't do that in the NBA because the guys are too talented. But 
the Raptors are, I think, going the other way and saying, well, our athletes are so good that maybe it will work. And it certainly made the Bulls' life difficult uh, tonight. Well, for what it's worth, that's what Giannis thought that the Bucks should do in the finals, too, is play full-court press. Apparently, there was, I remember this anecdote. We was like, I think it was like Bud's dad or something was hanging out with the team and just being like, you know, just saying old man shit, just being like, you guys got a full-court press. And uh, Giannis was like, yes, <laughs> like, that's what I want to do. Um, and like, you know, the Bucks are, of course, a team that could maybe get away with more of that, too. But obviously, we're not about to see a ton of that um, in the NBA. Not anytime soon. No, but could you imagine Giannis in a full court press? That would be a nightmare. <laughs> it would be fun. I mean, it's like Middleton is long as hell, too. Obviously, Holiday is a, a freaking beast. But yeah, I, I don't think they're gambling either. Uh, Caruso... Had four steals tonight. You know, he's he's. There was that play, a really kind of a savior play. We needed it to win the game when uh, uh, Van Vliet was sort of forced to dribble uh, under the basket on the baseline, and he was in it. It was you know he just Caruso scouted the action right. He, he curls under the basket and he tosses the ball back out. Caruso saw it a mile away, grabbed the ball. Um, they're just reading actions very well like that. And then they're very handsy. It's a grab-ass team, right? They're, their hands are all over your um, dribble. Uh, Vucevic, who we know is not a very good rim protector, is doing a lot of stuff to muck up the action before it gets to rim protection, which is really good. He had three steals tonight. He's been very handsy down there. He's not letting plays develop to the point where he has to rim protect. Now, I am still worried about what will happen when we go up against teams with real point guards. But, I mean... I keep saying that to myself, but then I keep like thinking about it, and I'm like, how many really great point guards are there? Like, I think we can have a pretty good defense, uh, just blitzing ball handlers and playing passing lanes. Um, and you know, yes, the very best teams will be able to attack Vooch at the rim for sure. But that is like kind of the one weakness, the one glaring weakness I see in the defense. As long as DeRozan stays competent on rotations and. And as long as Zach continues to improve, the one thing that I think he's always really needed to improve at, or since last year anyway, which is just fighting around screens and screen awareness, which I do think he's been better at this year. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that the Bulls have really made that a point of emphasis, not just with Zach, but in terms of the personnel that they've they've tried to get. Uh, Caruso is very good at avoiding um, screens. Uh, Io, I think that's one of his strongest defensive abilities and I've said this before, but he's his screen avoidance is just very good. It was very good in college. It remains very good. I think he had in summer league a little bit more trouble with it than uh, than I expected based on his his college stuff. Um, but in the pros, I, he's been really hard to screen. I think Lonzo is a guy that gets over screens fairly well for a guy that I don't think necessarily has a super developed lower body. Cause like a lot of the times that's the thing that ends up getting guys crushed on screens is that they're just weak uh, in their legs. So they, you know, they run into somebody bigger than them and they don't have the, the power to drive through it or to, to fight through it. But Lonzo does a pretty good job of that. I think. Lonzo and, had some really impressive defensive possessions tonight. Yeah. Lonzo looked like a man on a mission up until the very, the the final quarter. And like he had one um, play, it ended up being, I think 
a, a foul before he got over there or something like that. But he came flying in for a weak side block. And I was like, holy moly. He, like, he looks like he, when he goes to block people on weak side blocks, he looks like he's trying to embarrass people. And I mean, I, I love that. I think it's great. But it, it's like, whew. Like, he came flying in out of nowhere and was like, yeah. And he did have, I think, a, a block on a different possession that, you know, actually counted. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's really, really fun to watch. It It's wild to me because, like, I've seen Pelicans fans on on twitter um i don't know if it's just cope or what but talking basically about lonzo like he wasn't that good or whatever and it's like i saw a lot of lonzo in la because the lakers are always on national tv no matter what their record is and he was good there um he wasn't as good as he is now obviously but you know he was really fun to watch and i mean i have to admit that I haven't watched as much Pelicans as I'm sure Pelicans fans have, but I, I just can't imagine watching that guy and being like, yeah, he's not that good. Like he's yeah. so fun. He's so good. And I don't know. I, so I feel like it must just be cope. Well, they needlessly poisoned the well with Lonzo over there. And, and then I think kind of the, the whole team was low energy last year. Cause Stan Van Gundy was like tweeting MSNBC shit instead of coaching the team. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, there was just a lot, there was a lot of like unsatisfaction, dissatisfaction there. And I did watch a lot of the Pelicans last year just because I'm interested in the, the evolution of Zion Williamson. But I mean, they weren't a good watch really. He's fun to watch, but I think Lonzo just kind of, because the team became so heliocentric around Zion, but not in a very, like sophisticated way. Uh, Lonzo was just off ball a lot. And I think he felt like he just, just didn't have stuff to do a lot of the time. He shot well, obviously Um, he didn't defend as hard as he is now. I didn't think anybody on the Pelicans defended too hard last year. Um, So yeah, I I think that the Pelicans fans were, were getting used to a version of him that is much worse, um, honestly, than, than what we've gotten over these first four games and, and much worse than what he's capable of. And, but it is just cope too. I mean, I don't think anybody really thinks that Devante Graham is as good as Lonzo ball. Um, maybe you can convince yourself that he's a better fit with Zion if Zion's ever healthy again. Um, but even that is, is, is a bit of a stretch. Um, I'm obviously happy to have him. Yeah. I think that even the, the Devante fit thing, I mean, not to, you know, this is a Bulls podcast and not to do too much like Pelicans analysis or whatever, but even Devante being a better fit, I just don't understand that because if you're going to have things run through, through Zion and Brandon Ingram, like Devante Graham's talent really is shooting off the dribble more than it is like as a spot up shooter. I'm not, I'm, he's not bad as a spot up shooter at all, but like, that's like where he brings surplus value, I guess, is as a off the dribble shooter. And it's like, you don't really need him to do that if you have, uh, Brandon Ingram and, and Zion Williamson. And so I, I mean, Lonzo has obviously become a very good catch and shoot player. We saw that tonight. He had like, I don't even know how, I don't even know how many threes he ended up with, but he was just completely cash, uh, for most of the game from three. And yeah, he finished with five threes. He was five for nine. Um, so he, you know, and he's, become just like a 38 to 40% three point shooter pretty consistently. So it's just, um, I, I just think he's a better fit and uh, it just seems weird to, to be like, yeah, I'm happy that we don't have that guy anymore because he would have cost too much money, even though we're going to be capped out regardless. I don't know. I'm, I'm not yeah. worried about my, my owner's like luxury tax bill in the future. 
No, yeah. I, well, I'm worried about whether they're going to pay it <laughs> regarding the Bulls. But, uh, you know, we're not there yet. We're, we're just at a point still where uh, it's nice to beat four bad teams. I'm not even sure the Raptors are a bad team. Um, I They're one in three, which would suggest they might be. But I think that they're, at worst, a tough team. Like yeah. they might, they might win thirty-five games and just be really tough to beat. Like I think that's like the floor for them, honestly. I think they are a play-in team, but I think that is not because of their defense. I think that that is largely because their offense. They they are just going to struggle to score because um, Fred VanVleet, good player, great story doesn't create rim pressure nearly significantly enough to be a, the driving force of a, of a consistently great offense. And all of their other guys are pretty much defense first. Um, Scotty Barnes is really good though. Um, I He's tweeted awesome. this during that, the game, but yeah. Scotty is already better than Pat, than Pat will. Like yeah. they, they went to school uh, at the same place, got drafted in the same spot. They're almost exactly the same age. I think, uh, I think Pat is like a less than a month older than Scotty, and Scotty's just better. He's better than him. <laughs> he's more yeah. assertive. He's, yeah. uh, I think, he's better on the ball defensively. Like, he's just better player, um, which is you know disappointing. Uh, but I don't know. Pat, Pat will. He had some good good moments tonight, but he's still doing the rec- record scratch thing on open shots, and it's really driving me crazy. <laughs> and I would really like to see him. Um, stop doing that but it you know he did it for a full season and he's continuing to do it early in this season so i don't know what it's going to take i heard uh, on the 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 worst most egregious record record scratch that he had during tonight's game zach yelled at him shoot the ball <laughs> because you know he record scratched they they had created a, a wide open three-pointer for him he didn't shoot it he dribbled in passed it off and uh they ended up getting you know a contested mid-range jumper that didn't go in and then the Raptors got a run out uh, going the other way for for an easy um, layup and it's just like you can't do that um, you've got like when you get a good shot it's especially against a, a team that is as good defensively as the Raptors appear to be you've got to take your good looks when you have them uh, and he's just been still just lacking in that confidence or, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's afraid of failure or what, but it's just very frustrating to, to watch him continue to turn down good looks when he is a good shooter. But yeah, I, I, to me, it's like, it's over overly deferential uh, more than fear of failure. And I know that the, the line between those two things can be pretty fuzzy. Um, and, but I think that given how many, you know, veteran scorers there are on the team now you could understand why he would become that way um but i mean if scotty barnes was in his role he wouldn't be overly deferential like he's obviously horny and aggressive and and ready to shoot he's their leading scorer so far this season he's averaging 18 um i mean i we shouldn't compare these guys too much because they're not the same person um i also just think like this rookie class is so much better than last year's rookie class oh yeah but um but yeah absolutely i i still believe in pat williams uh to an extent um obviously the the baby Kawhi stuff has been just ridiculous all the way um but <laughs> but you know he is still showing me a lot uh, as a recovery uh rim protector which we really need 
um, given what Vucevic is. And he did that tonight. That was really nice. He had two blocks. Uh, he, he's been doing that the whole time he's been on the Bulls, really. Um, yeah, he had a really nice one. I think it was on Precious, where I think I, I want to say it was on Precious, but he was, uh, he, yeah, he basically, there was a, they tried to do an alley oop to, to Precious, and Pat came flying over because Vooch was, was beaten. Um, it was basically a, a Van Vliet, um, Precious pick and roll. Lonzo got hit with a pretty good screen. Vooch was in, you know, no man's land. And then uh, Pat was helping down off of uh, OG Ananobi and just swatted the shit out of, out of Precious, which is, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. I mean, Precious is a good athlete. And uh, Pat, you know, that is probably his best defensive skill at this point is, we, uh, you know, help side um, um, rim protection. So I, you know, he's not all bad. I'm not saying Pat's a bad player. I just think that like the the difference between, um, you know, the superficial similarities of like number four picks, both you know both played at FSU, both were six men at FSU, and then were these high draft picks. Uh, j- their their personalities seemingly could not be more different. Um, Scotty is not going to defer. He's going to be aggressive, and and Pat is still. Still seems uh, too gun shy for me, um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, he comes out of that. I think I've been saying this for a little while. I think that um, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I've been saying it in DMs and stuff for a while. That I, I think that Pat, given how well Javante has clicked with the starters uh, when he's played with them, I kind of want to see Pat going against going against the bench units and just let like let him feel less deferential, right? Because if he's if he's paired with that bench, uh, that bench group where there aren't really a ton of um, creators, then maybe he he feels a little bit more comfortable to just let it fly, because that that bench unit really needs the creation, and that's part of why Billy has predominantly run uh, DeRozan with with the bench guys because they need the, the the creation. But I think that Pat could could stand to one, go, you know, maybe get his his confidence uh, against you know, frankly, worst defensive players uh, when you're playing against other bench units, but also just, you know, not having to worry about like stepping on toes because he's playing with, you know, Vuce who will get shots up, Zach who needs to get shots, uh, Damar who needs to get shots. And even Lonzo, you know, he's, he's getting a fair number of catch and shoot opportunities. Um, so, you know, I think Pat has kind of struggled to, to find a way to fit in. And I think maybe moving him to the bench, uh, might make some sense, but I know that that is politically difficult in terms of, you know, he started every game last year. Uh, it would feel, I think, in certain ways to a lot of people like a demotion, but I just think from a lineup balance standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that they're going to get held up on the, the feelings aspect of it if they think it's the right move to do, though. Like, you know, he's going to, if they think it's the best thing for the team, then that's what they'll do. Um, but I, he's got he's made some passes tonight. I mean, it's not like he was a passing dynamo. He barely touches the ball. He only had two assists. But he made some passes tonight that he wouldn't have made last year. Um, so I'm definitely seeing that awareness rise. Obviously, that's going to happen when you have a lot of way better passers and basketball IQ guys on the team as they do this year. He's gonna, It's going to rub off on them. So I'm liking to see that. I mostly just don't really think about Pat Williams very much. Uh, I just 
am happy that we don't need to see much out of him and, and maybe he'll blossom later. Uh, I'm just, we're at the point now where we just watched five years of development hell and I just, I just don't want to care about rookies <laughs> or projects anymore. I don't want to care yeah. about, about projects, Pat. Um, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I always kind of a guy I was feeling that way about it first and just not wanting to see a rookie combined with like the local Homer sentimental meatballism of like, you know, a hometown kid who also went to U of I, I was like, get this shit out of my face. But like, he's very clearly an NBA player. I, yeah, he's like probably end of rotation NBA player, but I mean, he's, he's confident. He doesn't have the gun shyness that P will does. He gets up and down the floor. He passes well. Um, he's really competitive and, Billy Donovan was praising him to, uh, today in a way that suggested that, you know, bringing energy the moment you come off the bench is kind of how he's awarding those minutes um, for the guys who are not starters. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that the, the term that I've used a couple of times describing uh, Javante Green specifically is just like he feels like rocket fuel when he comes into the game. His energy level is just so high, but... You know, th- that is, I think, kind of the, the MO of the Bulls bench units uh, in general. Like Alex Caruso is a high-energy player. Uh, Alizé is a high-energy player. Like he's a, you know, effort hustle guy that is going to chase after every rebound and try to box every single person out despite being like six seven or whatever he is. Um, and I think that Io is, fits in well with that sort of... Um, energy, energy, energy. We're going to get out and run. We're going to make make life difficult for other bench units and um, to provide a spark. Uh, because, you know, the, the last, I think, the last few games anyways, the Bulls have struggled a little bit with their starters in terms of the offensive continuity isn't necessarily there. And especially in the half court. Um, and I think in general, like even to close games it's been kind of a broader theme that it hasn't mag- mattered that much until tonight because they've been beating teams pretty soundly but um they struggle a little bit in the half court I, and i don't think that's going to continue because i think that they're too talented offensively for that to continue all year but it definitely feels like they're working out some kinks but when they p- bring the bench units in it's just like fly around everywhere get a bunch of steals and then go flying the other direction and try to get a dunk. Um, and, you know, it's very aesthetically pleasing. It's a lot of fun. And Io, I, I think, does a really good job in that specific context because Io also struggles in the half court. He's not a guy that can consistently get to the basket in the half court. Um, but in transition, he's very talented and he's good at generating transition opportunities because he, like Lonzo and Caruso, and even Zach has become this way, is very good at ball hawking in the passing lanes. And, you know, I, I think he's been, you know, uh, Casey Johnson has seemingly been obsessed with the, the IO uh, Troy Brown Jr. Um, rotational watch, like who's who's getting those minutes. Um, I think he's tweeted about that like five or six times in the last two or three days, but um, he must be working on a story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's been interesting to see those two battle for that spot because I think Io is much better um, defensively at this point than, than Troy Brown, but Troy Brown is... Uh, a more talented offensive player. And it just seems like they kind of are, are going based on what they need at the moment. 
Yeah, I think if they can play with pace, um, Io is definitely the guy to go with. He's a better defender, and he, I think he's a better transition player. But half court offense, Troy Brown definitely has more skills. But you know, he's a foul machine on defense. He played 17 minutes and had three fouls tonight, and that's actually not even that bad compared to what he was doing. I think it was the first game of the season where he he had three fouls in like nine minutes or something. Um, he yeah, can, he can't really that stay was- on the floor. That was part of why Io took his his rotational spot in the first place. It was like the he came in in the and in the first quarter, I think he had three fouls almost immediately. It was crazy, and you know it was just like, all right, well, if you're gonna foul every other possession down the court, uh, then we can't really trust you, man. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think Troy Brown kind of struggles with defensive awareness. It, he gets back cut a lot, um, and he also. I think maybe doesn't move the, like he has like, you look at him physically and you just look at him and you're like, Oh, he should be a good defender. Like he has long wingspan. He's pretty tall. Um, he, he looks like he should be a good defender, but like, I don't think he moves laterally that well. Like he's not quite like a DeMar level guy in terms of how, how poorly he moves laterally. But like, I don't think he navigates screens that well. I don't think he moves laterally that well to keep guys in front of him. And uh, his, off-ball awareness is not amazing either. And so, I don't know. I, the the IO thing is, I think IO might might just be better than Troy Brown already, which is, like, not really a great thing for Troy Brown because he's, you know, was a... I don't know if he was a lottery pick or just outside the lottery, but he was, like, a guy that people, I think, had decently high hopes for, and he just, I don't know. He's very hit or miss. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, IO is also fitting into... Even though he's a rookie, he's fitting into my impatient mindset right now. It's like Troy Brown Jr. is he's just stayed almost, I wouldn't say he's quite in project mode, but kind of. And it's like, how long has he been in the league now? Versus Io, who's like immediately just like, hey, look, I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an effective back of rotation NBA player. I do think that the bench could look a lot different um, against better teams um, that uh, – slow down the game and require us to play with more size. So like, I think that the bench, I mean, just the rotation could be different. There are guys who are getting minutes now who might not get minutes on Thursday. Even when we play the Knicks, like we might need Tony Bradley to finally start playing uh, significant minutes on that night. Although it seems like Donovan is, is kind of hesitant to go with him so far. Um, but there'll definitely be different looks that we need against teams that could slow the game down. Yeah, I mean, I think Donovan has. I mean, he's mentioned conditioning for some of the other guys as a as a thing that he's watching. And I think that, I mean, Tony Bradley was was out at the start of preseason with an injury, and then when the one preseason game that he played, he looked pretty bad. I thought he looked out of shape. He was slow, I, and I mean, you know, from what I understand about Tony Bradley, he's not a particularly like quick guy in the first place. But like, he just didn't look all that um, like he was necessarily in in regular season ready game shape yet, and I wonder if that's part of it. Um, and I think the other thing is is that um, to your point, like the teams that they've played against, you could get away with throwing Alize out there at, at the center spot because, especially against bench units, because you know Alize doesn't protect the rim. But neither does our starter, really. Like Vooch is not a rim protector, but they both are really good rebounders. And if you, like, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, if you 
blow up the play with a deflection or a steal before it ever even gets to be a rim protection situation, that goes a long way to mitigating that as, a, as an issue for your defense. And Alizé does have pretty good hands, I think. Um, but uh, mostly he's just a great rebounder. Um, Tony Bradley, also a very good rebounder, but he does bring rim protection that basically none of the Bulls' other big guys um, bring. So it will be interesting to see against the Knicks, who do have a little bit more size with uh, Mitchell Robinson and Nerland's Noel, to see if, if Tony gets any run. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely curious to see that. Uh, I just am curious to see if we can not get out-rebounded by 20 again. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> like, Vooch, um, I think that they did a good job of, of forcing Vooch to play further from the hoop on defense. Um, yeah. And they, man, Van Vliet got to draw him out into space a few times, and it was like, damn it. Um, and I think that's just a, a matter of execution. Um, it's a Nick Nurse team. They're always going to execute impeccably, even when it's young guys. I think that's a big testament to just how damn good of a coach he is. And I think the Bulls are, are going to execute better. Um, but, I mean, that's one thing you can't do. I mean, you just I don't know what you got to do to avoid those situations with Vucevic. I know that they were not planning on switching with him at all. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where we went wrong with that tonight. It was definitely a few too many times that Van Vliet got to go blow, uh, blow by him. Yeah, getting uh, getting Van Vliet um, ISO'd on, on Vooch and then seemingly nobody on the defense uh, on the like trying to switch that and, and get Vooch out of there, you know, uh, nobody really recognizing that mismatch and, you know, trying to, to <laughs> bail him out essentially was, was a little bit concerning. I was just looking at the NBA.com stats page and the Bulls rebounding has, is, is a, that's a good, uh, the thing that you mentioned about them getting out rebounded by 20 uh, tonight. I think that's, you know, a good thing to flag as a potential concern going forward because they are currently 28th in offensive rebound rate and 25th in defensive rebound rate. Uh, so they are one of the worst rebounding teams in the, in the league, um, you know, four games in. So that's, you know, it, it's four games, so it's not everything. And they're still 4-0. Uh, but it, it is something to, to watch and um, something to, to hopefully see improve a little bit uh, as we move forward. Uh, but it, that is, I think, probably a consequence of, of playing as small as they have been. And the benefit of that is that they have been really, really good at winning the turnover battle. Uh, they've been, I think, one of the very best teams in the league at, at forcing turnovers. So um, if they aren't, I would be very surprised, uh, frankly. But it's, you know, I, I think I'm a little bit concerned at the, the level of uh just how badly they're losing the rebounding battle. It seems like pretty consistently. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's where actually Pat Williams is more important to me than, you know, how willing of a shooter he is. He needs to get on there. He had zero rebounds tonight. You know, Precious Achua had 11 rebounds. You should be able to rebound as well as Precious Achua or as well as OG Ananobi, especially when, you know, that you're not really being asked to do much on offense. Uh, yeah, you're, if you're not going to score in your Patrick Williams and you're going to like record scratch out of possessions, you've got to at least, uh, you know, bring it on the glass, cr- you know, crash the glass, be aggressive that way and, and bring value in the non-scoring aspects of the game because 
otherwise, what are you doing out there? You know? Um, and yeah, I was just looking at it. So the Bulls are, are third in uh, opponent turnovers. So they are, uh, they are doing very well at that. But I think at some cost to their their rebounding, because I think part of the reason they're able to force so many turnovers is that they they're playing these smaller guys that, you know, are have quick hands and are flying around on their rotations. But I think it's maybe taking them out of position to, to box out. Um, and I think maybe that's a worthwhile, you know, sacrifice. But I think you got to you, you can't be. Uh, bottom five for both offensive and defensive rebounding. You, you got to be a little bit better than that. Yeah, it'll definitely be something to see going forward. Obviously, the Knicks are a team that know how to muck up the game, know how to force you to play slow. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how we look in a, in a probably more of a half court game and probably in a nothing is easy kind of game on a, uh, Thursday. I mean, this was this was a kind of a nothing is easy chaos ball. <laughs> a lot of a lot of broken plays, a lot of full court stuff, but uh, this, this was a this was a sloppy stakes slop fest. Is is what this was? Yeah, they, that's what the Raptors have done apparently every game. They just fourth quarter comes around, it's time to slop them up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> now I'm imagining all the all the Raptors with slick back hair. <laughs> yeah, and the referees. The referee is like the. Uh, the waiter who's like, no, please don't. <laughs> no, no sloppy steaks. Yeah, that's the sloppy steak boys, man. The the knights, the night crew. They they're just the I, dangerous I, knights crew. The the, the the Toronto Raptors, the dangerous knights crew. They love to slop it up. That's right. I mean, I they've been they were like on my list at the beginning of the season. Like these, this is the team I want to watch because. They're going to be weird, man. Like, I think that it's a very specific challenge that they present. Um, I think that the Bulls getting through it alive uh, is a really good sign. I think that they will take down a lot of teams who are bedded in them this season just by, like, making them play Calvin Ball and <laughs> yep. just thriving on chaos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think that um... – you know, we we covered the Raptors game. I think I didn't know if you had any thoughts about the the first three games. I I was obviously happy that the Bulls won, but I I felt like every time I got really excited about it, I was just like, yeah, but we'll see <laughs> because like none of the they played the the Pistons twice, who are you know the Pistons might be the worst team in the league this year, and they played uh, the Pelicans without Zion, and I was just like, you know, those. That is not really elite competition, obviously. So, I mean, obviously, taking care of business against teams that are in that situation is one mark of a good team. Uh, this was, I think, another winning a game against a at least a tough team uh, and, a, and a team that I think is going to be competitive night in and night out. Um, when you don't play your best game, I think is is also a good indicator. Uh, but I think the the tests, the real tests, start. Uh, next game because the Knicks are better than the Raptors, I think, um, but similar in certain ways in that they are going to grind you and going to make life hell for you. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that it'll be a, as sloppy as tonight was, but it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. And then going going beyond that, you know, the the Bulls basically after that game, I think, have twelve games in a row that are against either Western Conference or, like, high Eastern Conference playoff teams, like teams that we, we expect to be up there. And so I'm really hoping that 
out of the next uh, 13 games, they can get um, six or seven of them. And if they so if if they did that, they would they would come out of this stretch ten and seven, and then their schedule gets significantly easier um, following that. And so I, I, that's what I, I'm looking for, sort of sort of going forward. Yeah, it looks like we got Knicks, and then Saturday's Jazz, then it's Celtics two in a row against the Sixers, Nets, Mavericks, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers. Blazers, Nuggets, Knicks. That's a really yeah. tough lineup, man. Yeah, but I, I think that it's not unrealistic to think that they could win like half of those, no, to be honest. Yeah. Well, the hardest will be when we go on the quote-unquote circus trip, which is um, uh, a big... It's a five games in a row on the West Coast in that in there, so that's going to be... Yeah, that'll be, be brutal. It's always a journey of the soul. It always comes at this time of the year. If you're a Bulls fan, you know this time of year. You know how brutal this can be. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's one of those things where the Blazers get one of their many cheap um, home wins against Eastern Conference teams who are on similar road trips, and usually at the end of similar road trips too, because they're all the way up in the corner of the country, right? Um, yeah, they have to come through the all of the California teams, and then the the Blazers get to beat up on them. Yeah, they get, they beat Eastern Conference teams a lot that way. Um, the hardest, I mean, maybe not the hardest one, but we face the. Uh, we face we have that uh, Portland game, and then the last game of the road trip is in the altitude of Denver. So I mean that's going to be you know I don't want to say <laughs> the schedule loss ahead of time, especially since apparently the Cleveland is handily beating the Nuggets in Denver right now, actually, uh, which I'm very curious to see how that happened and if it has something uh, to do with Evan Mobley I, being amazing. But uh, yeah, well. Uh, Former Bull Lowry Markinen also committed a murder at the very start of that game. No, <laughs> yeah. we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> well, it's it's because it's because Jokic uh, didn't didn't contest the shot. Uh, he he decided to go with the try to draw a charge um, sort of method of defense. And honestly, I love Jokic, but that's what you get if you don't challenge the shot. That's what you get. You get just absolutely obliterated. Listen, um, we we know how we know how to we know we've seen Lori do this. We've seen him have really cool dunks. Um, and yeah, they usually don't count for shit. But apparently, <laughs> apparently, it was a tone setter in this game. He's playing with a little more of an edge in Cleveland, I think. Well, you you would hope that he would, right? Like he he. But I also, I mean, I I would need to see it from him for a full year before I even came oh, close yeah. to buying it because we yeah. To your point, we've seen him do dunks like that. Um, plenty of times and even go on runs of like 10, 11, 12 games where he looks amazing. And then it's like, Oh wait, he's right back to being the same old Lowry. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I hope, I hope for his sake, he, he eventually becomes that player, but uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it with him. I, I, I tried to, I bought in on him too many times only to get burned. Uh, I'm certainly not going to do it when he's on uh, one of our, uh, Central Division of uh, Foes. But we're all in on Mobley. Yes, Evan Mobley. I made the comparison today. I'm, I'm going to put it on on podcast record as well. I compared him to Kevin Garnett. He's the closest I've seen in terms of movement skills, anticipation, um, all of that stuff. All of the, the KG stuff on defense. Offensively, I don't know if he's as similar to KG, but just in terms of like how he keeps guards in front of him, uh, with relative ease, his fluidity and just 
he, he just looks like a, a complete natural defensively. Um, and I think a lot of people made that comparison with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who, I, you know, watching him play in the league versus in college, I mean, he looks like a baby deer still, like in his third or fourth year. Uh, Mobley is just not that. He He's different. And I think he's special, uh, which is, you know, the Bulls uh, need to <laughs> need to have some good seasons now because uh, it, it might be uh, Mobley's division uh, once Giannis' uh, prime starts to, to decrease. Well, the Cleveland, you know, they'll fuck that up and he'll go somewhere else. But, <laughs> well, yeah. that's that's true. That's true. Yeah. They do have Dan Gilbert still owning the team. Yeah, but yeah no, I watched Mobley. I watched the Cavs game and I was like, is this like, am I watching like year three Aiden right now or like? somebody playing their second NBA game. Like what's going on? Um, it's, it's kind of nuts. I think that clearly his floor is it like, like Bam Adebayo is like his floor. Maybe that's what yeah. I, that's what I think now. That's, that's just nuts. I can't believe how good these rookies are this season. Like just, it's crazy. Them. And we haven't even, I mean, Cade hasn't even played yet. No. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. Mobley looking as good as he does already has me kind of like questioning, like was Cade the right number one pick? I think Mobley's just going to for sure be better than Jalen Green. And I think Jay- I like Jalen Green, but I just give me the the complete freak defensive uh, savant uh, big man over the the guy who, you know, I we, we've been bucket pilled. It's true. But I would still take somebody like Mobley over over a guy like uh, Jalen Green because there's a chance that Jalen Green is just like I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of who's just like a score like Jordan Clarkson. Like right. he could he could just top out as that guy, and uh, I would take Mobley over today <laughs> over Jordan Clarkson. Obviously, I think. Um, so it's uh yeah. That's going to be um, interesting to follow. To, he, he's uh, I, I like I said, I think he's special. Yeah, but you know that being said, we gotta we gotta destroy the Cavs every time. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can't yeah. let Lowry get a single win against the Bulls this year. Yeah, we gotta snuff. We gotta snuff the life out of the, those those young eyes. We can't, <laughs> we can't, we, That's right. We can't let him have any optimism after after he gets through us. I was going to say uh, the other thing you know, just circling back to the scheduling um, stuff. I think that, you know, what we rattled off in terms of the games that they have coming up is makes them going four and zero all the more important to, to start the season because banking those wins against the teams that you should beat is huge. And it's a thing that the bulls have really struggled with in in the post Jimmy era. And um, I think it's also nice for uh, Zach to get the monkey off his back of, you know, not having, won four games in a row since like high school. Uh, and, you know, technically he did it in the Olympics, but you know, it's not the same thing. And so he's, you know, he won four games in preseason. He won four games in the Olympics. And then he started off this season with four games in a row. So uh, Zach hasn't lost in a while, which is, you know, different for him. <laughs> and I, I think that that's, uh, you know, he seems like he's on a mission. And I think that that was, you mentioned it earlier, but he was, Zach was legit mad uh, in the post-game interview after a win. And I think that, you know, that is a, a real difference from last year in terms of what, what the expectations are for this team and what they think that they can do. And, uh, you know, I'm here for it. The Bulls are back. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike, that, that brings me to my closing statement, which is that when you're pissed after a win, that means the Bulls are back. Like, you know, <laughs> like we were never pissed after a win. It's been several years since we were pissed after a win. Um, so this is incredible. 
It, it really is. And I think that's a great note to close on. John, thank you for joining me as always. Um, we'll definitely have you back on very soon. Thank you as always. Thank you, Kevin.